0: Church family, take your copy of God's Word, whether it's in print or on your electronic device, and turn with me over to the Gospel of Luke, and we're going to be in Luke chapter 23 this morning. I know it's hard to believe Uh, we haven't quite started the season of Lent yet, but it's right around the corner, and Easter's right around the corner. So we're going to begin a new series today, and um, we won't be in it every Sunday, but just about every Sunday we're going to be in a series that I've called Words from the Cross and what we're going to be doing in this series is we're going to look at all the, the seven statements that Jesus made while he was on the cross of Calvary, dying in my place and dying in your place for, for all of our sins. So uh, it, as we look at these particular statements uh, over the next couple of weeks, there's going to be one particular word that I want you to take home that's going to kind of encapsulate all of those seven statements that our Lord made while he was on the cross, and the word for us today It's the word forgiveness. And we're going to be in Luke chapter 23, verses 33 and following. Uh, I want to read to you before we dive into our particular text today, the seven statements that Jesus said from the cross in the order that most theologians believe that Jesus said them. So just listen to these. The very first one is in our text for today, Luke 23, verse 34, where Jesus says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. And then the second statement that Jesus made from the cross is also found in Luke 23. And there Jesus is recorded as having said these words, truly, truly, I say to you today, or verily, verily, I say to you today, today you shall be with me in paradise. And he said that to a thief that was on the cross whose punishment for his crimes was death by crucifixion. One of the thieves was just all out blaspheming Jesus up until his dying breath, but yet one thief his heart was softened. And there at a deathbed confession, if you will, he put his faith in Jesus. I don't know about you, but I praise God for deathbed confessions. I may have said this to you before, um, but let me repeat myself if I have, because as the years go by and as I get older, I'll repeat myself a little bit more probably. So you just got to bear with me. But um, my grandfather, I called him Papa. Uh, He was a painter in Graniteville, a little mill town where I grew up. Painted just about all those little A-frame houses that the company built for those that worked in the mills in the village there. And he painted just about all of them there in the old mill village of Graniteville. Um, Struggled with alcohol throughout his whole life. I really didn't know that much about him other than on Monday through Fridays as a kid, we would go pick him up from where he lived and drive him the two blocks. He could have walked, but we drove him the two blocks where he spent his whole afternoon at a place called Forest Pool Room. And and he wasn't playing pool, all right? He sat at the lunch counter there, and he pretty much drank all afternoon with those that were coming to sit there with him. And then he would walk home. That's my mental image of my papa, uh, my mother's dad. But on his deathbed, an ophthalmologist of all people knew that he wasn't saved and made a special trip to go see him and led him to the Lord on his deathbed. So, I like the fact that there's such a thing called deathbed confessions. And Jesus said to this thief on the cross, Truly, truly, I say to you today, today you will be with me in paradise. The third statement Jesus said while hanging on the cross, he said, While looking at his mother and then looking at the disciple whom he loved, he loved all of them, but John liked to say that about himself Hey, I'm the disciple that he loved. Uh, Well, he loved all of them, but that's what John's little saying was for him. And Jesus looked at his mother and he's like, Behold your son. And then looking at John, he says, John, behold your mother. And history tells us, basically church history, if you will, that that John took care of Mary until she went to heaven. And at one time, they lived in the area and in the city of, of Ephesus. And then Jesus said these words, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We read that in Matthew 27, verse 46. The fifth statement Jesus uttered was these words, I am thirsty. We'll talk about that. That's in John chapter 19, verse 28. Number six, he says, it is finished. We read about that also in the Gospel of John. And then the very last statement Jesus made from the cross were these words, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. So this morning, we're going to focus on that first statement, Father, (laughs) forgive them, for they do not know what you're doing, what they're doing. So look there with me in your copy of God's Word, Luke chapter 23, and let's pick up at verse 33 and follow. Here's what the Bible says for us today. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments, and the people stood by watching. But the ruler scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself. if He is the Christ of God, his chosen one. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And there was also an inscription over him, this is the king of the Jews. And one of the criminals who were hanged railed at him saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. Would you pray with me? Father God, um, I pray this morning that I will not say or do anything that will take away from what you want to accomplish today in our hearts. So, Lord, would you just meet us where we are, speak to every precious soul that is here. They're not here uh, just because of happenstance. They're here, I believe, because you've guided them to be here today. You put a desire in their heart to be here. So, Lord, as we sit for a few minutes under the preaching of your word, may your Holy Spirit and may your precious word be our teachers this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. And if you agree with that, would you say amen? Amen. Verse 34 again, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And I'm going to kind of paraphrase that, if you will. Uh, But there again, Father, forgive them. They have no idea what they're doing. Have you ever struggled with forgiving somebody? I think if you've ever lived life long enough, you're going to struggle with forgiving somebody. Even though we know we need to forgive, every now and then we struggle with forgiving because truth be told, it's hard to forgive somebody that's hurt you and it's hard to especially forgive someone that's hurt people that you love, like your, your kiddos or people in your family. It's, we sometimes struggle, I think, to forgive someone that's hurt us. Many reconciliations, I think, have broken down because people are just not prepared to offer that olive branch. They just aren't prepared to not only give forgiveness, but even sometimes to receive forgiveness. I heard about a fellow that was complaining to his buddy, and he said, you know what? I can't stand when me and my wife argue. She always goes historical on me. And his friend said, you mean hysterical? No, I mean historical. She always brings up things in the past that I did that hurt her. <laughs> there again, Jesus says, Father, for, for, forgive them. Not just this once in this one occasion, but, but Father, you just forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. When it comes to forgiveness, I submit to you, Jesus is our model. He is our prime example of what it means to forgive someone that has hurt us. So when he is praying for forgiveness, notice that nobody's asking for forgiveness there at the foot of the cross. But yet he freely chose to forgive those that were crucifying him. And the amazing thing for me is that he forgave the very ones that were literally driving the nails into his body. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. That's um, a fulfillment of of Old Testament prophecy. We read over in the book of Isaiah these words, therefore I will divide him a portion with the many and he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession. He's interceding for the transgressors. He's praying, he's interceding for the sinners like me and you. It was prophesied that Jesus would pray for people while he was dying on the cross So as he bore the sins of many For the many he was praying for And know that it was undeserved Right? I mean this prayer That Jesus prays, this prayer of forgiveness It was not only undeserved It was unrequested, they weren't asking for it Now the question that some people might ask At this particular point, as they see this prayer That Jesus prayed, Father forgive them For they have no idea what they're doing Some might say, ah, well, well he's, he's, he's saving them all at this time No, no, that's not what he's doing here but he is offering a prayer of forgiveness. So, so let me give you an appetizer. I don't know about you, but when I go out to a restaurant every now and then, especially when somebody else is paying, I'll get an appetizer. You know what I mean? <laughs> don't act like y'all are so holy and don't do that. I know some of y'all do. <laughs> All right, so, so, so let me just give you an appetizer before we get into the meat of the message. Let me just tell you what I think Jesus was doing at the cross at this particular time. First, I think he was modeling uh, Forgiveness. You know we read over in Matthew 5:44, "Love your enemies and pray for those who what? Persecute. Yeah. Pray for those who persecute you. So if you're struggling to forgive someone, let me just submit to you something that, that's proven true in my life, and I bet you anything it will prove true in your life as well. If you sincerely pray for those that have hurt you, eventually you'll wind up forgiving them. So, so f- forgive them. And I know what some of you probably think, Well, preacher, when they ask for it then I'll forgive them. Don't do that. You be like Jesus and you offer forgiveness to them whether they ask for it or not. And then the second thing that I think Jesus does is this. He's avoiding the sin of unforgiveness. He's avoiding the sin of unforgiveness. I believe even when he was on the cross for me and for you, he he had an opportunity to sin, but he didn't because he was perfect, right? Otherwise, he wouldn't have been our perfect sacrifice. But even when he was on the cross... He avoided the sin of unforgiveness by, by praying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And then I think the third thing that Jesus is doing here is he's offering forgiveness to them. I mean, more than anything, he wants to be reconciled. He wants us to be in a relationship. It's not about religion, right? Religion won't save you, but a relationship with Jesus will. So he's all about wanting us to reconcile, to be in a, a reconciliatory relationship with him. so I just want to encourage you with that when it comes to forgiveness you're not condoning what somebody has done that has hurt you or people that, you, that you've loved but you're being like Jesus oh to have the mind of Christ right you're being like Jesus he's our model we're turning the other cheek we're imitating Jesus one, one of my favorite verses in fact this is Trey this has only been asked where's Trey at he's left he's left the building but anyway there, he's there children's church he's somewhere anyway Robert where are you at Robert <laughs> One of my favorite verses in Scripture. Oh, it's so simple. In fact, what I was joking about Trey and Robert about was this. Y'all ever been around these big-time preachers, which I am not? But if you're ever around one of these big-time preachers, sometimes you'll ask them to sign sign your Bible. And I've got one particular Bible. I've got, like, David Jeremiah's signature. I've got some other signatures, Jerry Vines. I've got some signatures. I love that little Bible. It's not even a study Bible. That's my, my favorite Bible. Got full of my notes and stuff like that. I've had one person ask me through the years, will you sign my Bible? And I, it threw, blew me away. I'm like, wow, really? But all those big shot preachers, not only do they sign their name, you know what else they do? They actually write down a Bible verse. So that one time I was asked to sign a Bible, I wrote down my name and I wrote down this verse. It's one of my favorite verses Ephesians 5, verse 1. Be imitators of God as dearly loved children. So just as a child, I'm, a, I'm to imitate my heavenly Father. What a testimony to emulate Jesus when it comes to forgiveness. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. So let's talk about this prayer of Jesus. If you're with me, say amen if you are. Hadn't lost you, have All All right, so let's talk about this prayer uh, forgiveness. First of all, know that it is a, it's a painful prayer. I mean, Jesus didn't pray this prayer on a bed of comfort. And he wasn't on the couch like some of us would be tonight watching the Super Bowl. He, you know, he wasn't on a, a comfy couch. You, know, you might have bought it at Society Hill there at that wonderful furniture store over there. He wasn't on a couch like that that was just so posh and comfortable praying a prayer. He's on a cross. And I don't think, Todd, Ty, Todd's the great carpenter up there, I don't think that cross would have been smooth like this surface here. His back was already beat to death But yet he was on that cross It it was not a place of comfort there So verse 33 says When they came to the place that is called the skull There they crucified him and the criminals One on his right and one on his left I want you to know he suffered physically Right I mean indescribable pain Jesus went through there on the cross for me and for you The Roman soldiers are already beating him with the cat of nine tails Which wasn't just a whip Like some of y'all got spanked as a kid Right Uh, Your daddy. I can vividly remember people that kept me for when I was in first grade. Whenever some of those, whenever the boys that I hung out with did wrong, I could hear the belt still coming out of Don's pants there, and that was the thickest belt I've ever seen in my life. I never got spanked. I got pinched. (laughs) Mama watches. You remember that, Mama? Pinched me anyway. I never got spanked. I just got pinched. But but this belt. This belt was like, this was no belt like you would imagine. This was a cat-of-nine-tails, and it was embedded with glass and with pottery and all this other stuff like that. And when that cat-of-nine-tails went against your back, it didn't just whip you. It ripped flesh and muscles. So when he was on the cross, he was already enduring physical pain because his back was just mutilated. And then they put a crown of thorns upon his head, and any of you know that's in the medical field, if you got like a, some type of cut on your forehead, you're thinking you're dying because there's so much blood. We went through a couple of years there before we ever went on vacation. It always happened. One of our kids would have a head injury. I kid you not. There was one time when John was trying to ride over with his little battery-powered truck or tractor that it was, trying to ride over a basketball. Why? I don't know. He was a kid. And in doing so... It, a battery fell out of the compartment hit it on his forehead we thought he was dying to death he had so much blood it's amazing what super glue would do but that's exactly what we did we called the doctor and they glued his little forehead back together but if, but anytime you got a head injury there's blood and you can imagine how gruesome that looked on Jesus' face the bible tells us they took a reed which was a mock scepter and not only did they have that in his hand but they beat him with it they plucked out his beard, which was prophesied in the book of Isaiah. They, they pierced his hands and his feet. When they fastened him to the cross, they stretched out his arms. And many theologians believe that when they did that, it just dislocated his shoulders and then they attached him to the cross beam, they attached him to that beam, then to a vertical beam, and they positioned him in such a way that was just unbearable, just even to breathe was a struggle because his tendons were already severed, but yet he's having to pull himself up just to catch a breath, and in doing so, he's in excruciating pain. And if that wasn't the worst, he also was enduring spiritual pain. Because on the cross, he was literally becoming our atoning sacrifice when the iniquity of us all was laid upon him. So he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. You know, Herschel Hobbes is an old great Southern Baptist statesman, and he once said he was forsaken by God momentarily so that we would not be forsaken by God eternally. Aren't you glad that Jesus paid it all? Aren't you glad? I mean, oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God span at what? Calvary. It, it was a painful prayer that Jesus prayed, but not only was it a painful prayer, it was an intimate prayer as well. Look at verse 34. He calls God Father. Now, my kids don't call me Father, <laughs> but I tell you what, when they would call me Daddy, oh, my God. This got weak in the knees. Y'all know what it's like when they call you daddy? It's, it's a term of endearment. It's, it's very intimate. And, and here, basically, Jesus is calling his father Abba. He said in John 10, verse 30, I and the father are one. And that word Abba is just an intimate word. It's like your children calling you daddy. You know, um, prior to this, Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he prayed in Mark 14, 36, Abba, father. All things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, but yet not my will, but your will be done. So he, he, so he prays, Abba, Father. Jesus taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer. Abba, Father, or Father. Pray, prayer is a language of intimacy. So when Jesus, in Matthew 6, 6, prayed, he said, Shut, shut your door. He's telling us about prayer. Shut your door and pray to your Father. Pray to your Abba who is in secret, and your Abba who sees in secret, uh, when you pray, will, will answer you accordingly. So, so this is just really, an, as you see on the screens, an intimate prayer that Jesus is praying to his Abba, to his Father. You know, you, you might have the best marriage possible, and I hope there are times in the year that you set aside just to get along with your, to get along and alone With your spouse, right, Uh, and and invest in your marriage, if you will. But but you might have the best marriage in (laughs) Sherraw. You might have the best marriage in all of South Carolina. But I'm telling you, ultimately, the intimacy you you need to have in your life is with your Abba. It's with your God the Father, and through the Son. And if you get those relationships right, if you get that relationship right, all the other relationships, even with your spouse, are just an added blessing. The deepest part of you must be intimate with God, your Abba. He is your loving, heavenly Father. This was a painful prayer, but it it was intimate. He's calling upon his Father. But not only was it an intimate prayer, it was a selfless prayer. Again, looking at verse 34, this is his darkest hour, and notice who he's praying for. He's not praying for himself. At this darkest hour, Jesus is praying for for others. He's our intercessor. And the greatest thing you can do for somebody else is to intercede for them. You know, a couple of years ago, y'all remember when Franklin Graham was traveling to the different state capitals holding the prayer rallies? You know, I, I went to that in Columbia. Man, it was a cold day. Cold as all get out. But we were there and we took a busload of folks from Hartsville up there and we went to that prayer rally. And I remember one of the things Franklin Graham said was something like this My dad, my daddy would love to be here today, but he can't. You know, he's, he was getting up there in age and, and because of his age and his health, he wasn't really able to go out and do what he's accustomed to doing. But Franklin Graham said this about his dad he says, He's got a new ministry and it's the ministry of prayer every now and then I can almost imitate Billy and Franklin Graham I almost did it just then for you it's the ministry of prayer you might be here today or you might be watching us online thinking "You know, I just can't do the ministry in the church I used to do I get it, it happens right but there's one ministry all of us could do and that's the ministry of prayer if you ever want to know how you can be a blessing to me and my family and to this church staff and just to this church And more than anything you just pray for us You know lift us up I've never met a pastor that said I don't want you to pray for me <laughs> So you pray for us. I mean and jesus is our model. He's our intercessor. Hey, by the way y'all know what we do on wednesday nights wednesday nights in the old sanctuary um I give a, a brief devotional It might be a little bit longer every now and then, but basically it's brief. And then we break up in groups and we intercede for you. If there's prayer requests that come into the office, if there's prayer requests you share with the staff from your Sunday school class, from your small group, we we take time to break up into groups and we intercede for you. And that's exactly what Jesus is doing here. It's a selfless prayer. It's a prayer of intercession. We read over in Romans 8, 33 and 34, these words. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God? Who indeed is interceding for us? So, so know this, Jesus prays for you. And it's a prayer of of intercession. We read over in 1 John 2, verse 1, these words, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. and, And what's his name, church? His name is Jesus, yeah. And then we read over in Hebrews 7, 25, these words, Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them so when jesus is on the cross he's he's praying for for us he's praying for others it's a selfless prayer that he prays but then another part of this prayer that jesus prayed was that it was a repeated prayer he said wait." wait, wait, wait. In, in the scriptures here in, in my bible red letter words of jesus it only says it once father forgive them for they do not know what they're doing I, and, and i get that but then in the greek and i'm not that smart to really know it but i study others who are a whole lot smarter than me and in the greek this is the imperfect tense so basically jesus just didn't say it once he said it over and over again y'all know what that's like to say something over and over again right you know when your blessings your little kiddos come up to you and it's like hey can i can i have some money a couple of hours later hey can i have some money my friends are going to the movies this is before covid right going to the movies and we want to do this, and they're going to have some money, and then just a few minutes later say, "Hey, now can I can I borrow the car?" And over and over and over again, they're just kind of nagging you. Not that they don't nag, right? They're blessings, but they're just repeatedly asking something. Can y'all identify with that? When you're kids, or somebody's just constantly asking for this, that, or the other. That's what Jesus is doing here, over and over and over again. He's praying, "Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing." Seconds later, Father, forgive them. So repeatedly, he's praying this prayer: "Father, will you forgive them? Father, will you forgive them?" So, 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 you wonder what was going through his mind. Now, so, so, let's put on our sanctified imagination. Y'all all right with that? If you don't have a sanctified imagination, boy, I do. Can y'all tell that already? So let's put on our sanctified imaginations, if you will. Who was he praying for? I think he was praying for people that had offended him. I think he's avoiding as i said earlier the prayer of or or he's avoiding unforgiveness the sin of unforgiveness and he's praying for for others he's praying for those to repent of their sins and to place their faith in jesus there even as he was dying on the cross i think he prayed for judas you know the bible says of judas that he is the son of perdition and i believe just based on my studies of scripture i believe that judas is in hell today but still Jesus prayed for him. I mean, I mean, here's a man that spent so much personal time with Jesus and yet he sold his soul for 30 pieces of silver. And then what did he do? But he betrayed Jesus with a kiss. But I believe Jesus prayed for Judas. You ever wondered, ever wondered how close you can get to heaven and miss it? Never wonder that? You know, I, I think you can kiss the door of heaven and still go to hell you say what's your example of that Judas is the example because the Bible says he kissed the door to heaven Jesus says I am the door and he kissed the door of heaven and yet he missed it I think he prayed for Judas I think he prayed for Peter uh, you know Peter um, Petros the rock right did y'all like what I did a few minutes ago that was my Hugh Jackman pose I want you to know so um anyway yeah i'm sorry i think he prayed for peter you know peter was such a bold brash leader i'll never deny you what did he do denied him i think jesus prayed for peter i think he prayed for the other other disciples because when he died on the cross what did the other disciples do Uh, they were like cockroaches when you open their door which is kind of gross right because we're eating lunch in a few minutes but when you you know they just scatter when the lights turn on that's what the disciples did when Jesus died. They just got out of there. I believe he prayed for uh, the Sadducees and the Pharisees so that they might come to faith. I believe he offered, and he was praying for Pilate, the governor who, who, who did what politicians today do. He put his hands in the waters, like, I'm innocent of this man's blood. <laughs> I believe he prayed for Pilate. I believe he prayed for those who wielded the cat of nine tails, the soldiers who mocked them, the soldiers who beat them. I believe he prayed for those that put the crown of thorns upon his head. I believe he he prayed for the forgiveness of those that were there. who was saying, if you're the Christ, come off that cross. I believe he was praying for them. And then I believe he was praying for people like me and you, living in this day and age. I, I, I think he's a big enough God that he can look through the lens of time and pray for people like us here today. Because as Trey said a few minutes ago, if we were the only ones living on the face of the earth, he would have come and died for us. And I believe he was looking through time and he was praying for us as the old John Starnes song goes, While I was on the or while he was on the cross, I was on his mind. So he repeatedly prayed this prayer, Father, Father, forgive them. Hey, praise God, right? That Jesus is praying for us even to this day. And then there's something else, and, and, I, and I know the time's going by real fast, but y'all stick with me. It, it also was a sovereign prayer that Jesus prayed. I mean, they didn't ask for it. He just sovereignly chose to, to offer this prayer of forgiveness for them. Father, for, forgive them. When, when, and when I think about these things, there are some things in the Bible I'll just be up front with you. I don't understand. Y'all all right with that? Because you don't probably understand it either. Some things. There are some things we really won't understand until we all get to heaven, but this much we know, we can know enough to put our faith in Jesus. The Bible says in Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, these words, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. (laughs) That's why we don't get it, right, Lord? Because my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts, your thoughts. So hey, don't fret it when you don't understand everything and yet in his sovereignly sovereignty Jesus prayed for us hey here's the here's the thought hold on to you see here's the here's the thought if our lord could pray for those that did all that to him if he could pray and offer forgiveness to them who in the world do we think we are if we hold it to ourselves and not to forgive somebody so it's a it's a sovereign prayer Jesus prayed it was also a hopeful prayer Jesus said, Father, forgive them. And they didn't deserve it, right? Hey, let me remind you, we're included in them. We we don't deserve forgiveness either. But aren't you glad? Look at the screens at this verse. I love this verse. Aren't you glad? Oh, where's it at? Ooh, it's not there. Oh, well, I'll have to give it to you. You ready? For everyone, or whosoever, who calls on the name of the lord will be saved y'all hear some of y'all are whispering (laughs) i don't know about you but i'm glad i'm part of the whosoevers y'all remember that old song we used to sing years ago whosoever surely meaneth me we're not saying surely whosoever surely meaneth me surely meaneth me oh surely meaneth me whosoever surely meaneth me y'all remember that song we're a part of the whosoevers. <laughs> and the Bible tells us that Jesus forgave them. They didn't deserve it, but we serve a whosoever God. He is our propitiation for our sins, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. So, so it's, a, it's a hopeful prayer. Are we there? Yeah. But not only is it a hopeful prayer, oh, let's see if this will work. <laughs> it does. It's an understanding prayer. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. So he's aware He's aware that we don't understand sometimes how bad we can be. Every single one of us has a sin nature. I do, you do, your precious little children do. Ask them to do something, then watch them not do it. We all have a sin nature. Y'all know what I'm talking about, nervous laughter. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And it's the same for many of us. Uh, Romans 3 says these words, as it is written, there's no one righteous, no not one. So we're just like Peter. One minute we say, Lord, I shall not be moved, and then we run to the hills. Hey, if not for the grace of God, there's no telling what you and I are capable of. So this is an understanding prayer that Jesus prayed, and then as you saw it a few minutes ago, not only is it an understanding prayer, it's it's a loving prayer. I mean, it really is a loving prayer. How, How can you see what Jesus prayed? Father, forgive them," and not think of, the love chapter from 1 Corinthians. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm just a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers to understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind love does not envy or boast it is not arrogant or rude it does not insist on its own way it's not irritable or resentful it does not rejoice at wrongdoing but rejoices with the truth love bears all things believes all things hopes all things endures all things and love never never ends right y'all know who this lady is don't she just look sweet if i could picture a grandmother that's who i would kind of picture I want to close by telling you a story of where she really had to model what she preached of where she really had to emulate her savior listen to what she said she said and that's when I saw him so she was speaking and she said and that's when I saw him working his way forward against the others one moment I saw the overcoat and the brown hat the next a blue uniform and a visored cap with its skull and crossbones it came back with the rush, the huge room with its harsh overhead lights, the pathetic pile of dresses and shoes in the center of the floor, the shame of walking naked past this man. I could see my sister's frail form ahead of me, ribs sharp beneath the parchment skin. Oh, Betsy, how thin you were. Betsy was his sister, and both she and Betsy were in a Nazi concentration camp called Ravensbrook. And this man that she sees in the audience where she's been speaking is there. And now he's in front of me, hand thrust out, a fine message for all line. How good it is to know, as you say, that all our sins are cast to the bottom of the sea. And I, who has spoken so glibly of forgiveness, fumbled in my pocket rather than take that hand. He would not remember me, of course. I was one of hundreds of prisoners but i remembered him and the leather crop swinging from his belt i was face to face with one of my captors and my blood seemed to freeze you mentioned ravensbrook in your talk i was a guard there surely he doesn't remember me but since that time he went on to say i've become a christian and i know that god's forgiven me for the cruel things i did there but i would like to hear it from your lips as well fraulein and again this man thrust out his hand will you forgive me and there I stood I whose sins had again and again had to be forgiven and I could not forgive Betsy had died there in that place how could I erase that slow terrible death my sister went through and now he's asking for forgiveness it it could not have been for many seconds that he stood there with his hand held out but to me it seemed like hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I ever had to do But I had to do it. The message that God forgives has a prior condition, that we forgive those who have injured us. And if you do not forgive men their trespasses, Jesus says, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. And then listen to what Corey then says. She says, I knew it not only as a commandment of God, but as a daily experience. Since the end of the war, I had a home in Holland for victims of Nazi brutality. Those who were able to forgive their enemies were able to return to the outside world and rebuild their lives no matter what the physical scars were on them. Those who nursed bitterness, however, remain invalids, as simple and horrible as that sounds. So as I stood there with the coldness clutching my heart, forgiveness is not an emotion, she says. Forgiveness is an act of the will, and the will can function regardless of the temperature of your heart, Help, I prayed silently. I, I can lift my hand. That much I can do. You supply the feeling, Lord. And so woodenly, mechanically, Cory Tim thrust out her hand. And this is what she said. The most incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into my... Into my hands, and I felt like they were going into his hands as well. And then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. And I cried out, I forgive you, brother, with all my heart. And for a long moment, Corey Timboon says, we grasped each other's hands, and the former guard and the former prisoner, and I had never known God's love so intensely as that moment. Now I want to ask you to do something. With if you will I want you to just bow your heads and close your eyes and if possible no one moving around I just I just want you to hear me speak every head bowed and every eye closed and I just want you to imagine something with me if you will even if you're at home I would ask you to do this as well just imagine that you are in front of somebody that has hurt you immensely Just bring a picture of that person up in your mind, if you will. Bring the picture up in your mind of that person that's hurt you or your loved one so much and you you just really need to forgive them, but you you haven't never done that. And now I want you to picture that person. Are you picturing them? And then, then picture that person that's hurt you so much as if they're in a cage of unforgiveness that you've locked them in and you placed them there and every, now, every once in a while, you might you know, talk about them and you might run across them. I'm not asking you to agree with what they did to harm you or to cause you pain. But I want you to go to that cage that you placed in that cage of unforgiveness and I want you to take Jesus with you. And I want you to open that door and you remember that Jesus has forgiven you. How can you not choose to forgive them if you've never forgiven a person that's hurt you would you do that right now just in the silence of this place just in your heart will you just, in, in your heart would you just cry out their name to God the Father and say Lord I forgive them help me to forgive them and move on still if you, don't, if you can just stay where you are and just listen to my words and as you're picturing that person or persons that's hurt you look, look them in the eye and with Jesus watching both of you Say to that person, in Jesus' name, I forgive you. And then ask Jesus never to let you put them in a cage again. You doing that? It doesn't mean that you're condoning what they've done. It doesn't mean you're condoning the hurt and the pain they brought upon you or your family. But it does mean that you can now walk away from them, having forgiven them in peace. Stay with every head bowed, no one moving around. Some of you know this old hymn. And if you know it, sing it with me, and then we'll then we'll close with an invitation. But if you know this old hymn called Blessed Redeemer, sing it with
1: me. Up Calvary's mountain, one dreadful morn. While Christ my Savior, weary and worn, facing for sinners. Death on the cross, that he might save them from endless loss. <laughs> blessed Redeemer, blessed Redeemer, seems now I see him on Calvary's tree, wounded and bleeding. For sinners pleading, blind and unheeding, dying for me. Heavenly Father, help us to model you
0: and to offer forgiveness to those that have hurt us. I pray for those that have been listening to this message today. Lord, I pray that our hearts were were soft and we heard and we heeded the message that you have for us today and Lord for some of us it's been really really hard to move on and forgive people that have hurt us but Lord help us to be like you to turn the other cheek and to take this person out of a cage of unforgiveness so that we can move on with our life living the life that you would have us to live with a joy and peace, with the fruit of the Spirit just being evidence in our life. So Lord, will you just help us to forgive those that that you love and help us to forgive other people as you have forgiven us. We pray in your precious name. Amen and amen.